Must be at least 18 years old. Promo code, location, and other restrictions apply. See terms of use for details. Please play responsibly. Call 800-426-2537 for help. Think you know sports? Then try to turn your sports knowledge into real money with the Sleeper app. The ultimate fantasy sports app that can turn game day into payday. With up to 100 times payout and your first deposit matched up to $500. Just download the Sleeper app and pick your favorite sports and players, like Christian McCaffrey's rushing yards. With more stats than any sports app, just choose two or more of your favorite players from pregame, live, or even across different sports. Pick more or less from the predicted stats and ka-ching. You could win up to 100 times your money if your pick wins. With the Sleeper app, you can make picks anytime, even after the game starts, with up to 100 times payout. What are you waiting for? Download Sleeper today and unlock one of the fastest-growing fantasy sports apps in the world. Just go to the App Store, download the Sleeper app today, and use code SPORTS for up to $500 match on your first deposit. That's promo code SPORTS. to you from Nashville, Tennessee. This is the award-winning Parareality Radio. Good evening, everybody. My name is Sandman, and I am back after a little bit of an extended absence. I know I, every once in a while, I do these disappearing acts on everybody, and, and uh, life kind of sometimes gets in the way, and that was the... Uh, the case this time around as well i had a lot of things going on excuse me and um had to put the show on hold for a while and uh been missing doing it man i've I've really been itching to get back into the parareality radio studio and record a new episode of the show and finally i think i've gotten uh, most everything squared away in my busy life and here I am back. Um, for, for those of you who keep uh, keep tabs on what's what's going on in the world of Parareality Radio, you know that I I uh, I, I have my hand in a lot of things. Um, I'm seems like I'm always and forever perpetually in school, and I'm pursuing a a master's degree, another master's degree. I already have one, and I'm pursuing another master's degree. And and uh, between work and school, um, I'm, well. Just kind of had to put the show on hold for a while. Still in school, um, slowly but surely going to obtain that master's degree. That um, things are are hopefully, for the moment, settled down. And I owe you guys some makeup shows, so I'm going to do some extra shows here and there. And and uh, 
can't wait to get everything started. And, and you know, this is actually season 11 of Parareality Radio. I'm real freaking uh, happy that I have been able to do this for 10 years and going on 11 years now. And, you know, I, I, I had about a two and a half year break where I kind of unofficially uh, retired back in 2009. Well, actually, I I thought it was forever when I retired back in 2009 after a five-year uh, successful run um, on uh, Live 365. And um, that lasted uh, about two and a half years. I came back in the middle of 2012 and have been going strong just about ever since uh, until uh, the last couple of months here and, and had to uh, had to take a little break from the show. But I am back now and... We're going to get on with season 11 of the show, and things are going to get rocking here. And I am so happy and excited to be back in the Parareality Radio studio and excited to bring you season 11 of the show. I've got some good things coming in store for you later on this year. At least, I think they're good things. I hope that you'll like them too. So, yeah, man, I got um, back with uh, with the vengeance. Going to be doing a, a a few makeup episodes here to try to catch you up on some of the things that's been going on, and uh, got some some guests lined up. And yeah, I'm 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 back. I'm ready to get on with season eleven. So without any further delays, let's get on with season eleven of Parareality Radio. Tonight's episode is one that was actually suggested to me. Oh, I guess um, about a year ago by um, uh, guest and sometimes uh, co-host of the show, Mr. John Harrison. One night after I interviewed him for, I guess it was the second time, he made a suggestion that I should do an episode about GMOs or genetically modified organisms. Now, I've heard a lot about GMOs over the years and how they're bad not only for human consumption, but bad for the planet as a whole. But I didn't really know that much about these things at all. And needless to say, I was a little bit hesitant to tackle the topic because I didn't know all that much about it. But I've tackled topics that I didn't know all that much about before and just did the research. But, you know, So I promised him that I would at least look into it. And eventually, that's exactly what I did. And I've been researching GMOs for probably about four or five months now. And what I found out, at least for me, is is really startling. I know that I'm not going to be delivering any um, groundbreaking news here because what I'm going to tell you tonight has already been said many times over. But what I'm hoping is that some of you who listen to this podcast are going to be hearing this information for the first time and that it'll open your eyes like it did mine as to what's really going on with the seeds that produce much of our food. But before I get into the show and telling you all about GMOs, let me tell you how you can get in contact with me because you know, friends, that there's more than one way that you can go about it. First of all, you can just send me an email. My email address is sandman at parareality.com. That's sandman at parareality.com. Or look me up on Facebook. All you got to do is look for Sandman 
Parareality on Facebook or do a search for uh, Parareality Radio. Either one of those two will work. And I'm also on Twitter officially. You can follow me there at Parareal Radio. That's at Parareal Radio, all one word. And also, you can call the studio line. I still got the studio line hanging around out there. You can call that line at any time, 24 7 365, and leave a message. The number to call is 615 692 1170. That number to call once again is area code to 615, then dial 692 1170, and you can leave a message anytime. Just be aware that there's a high chance that I can play your comment back on the show. Just by leaving me a message is giving me permission to play your comment back on the podcast. So if you don't want your comment, played on the podcast you better tell me when you leave your message that you don't want it played otherwise i just may play it there's a really good chance so uh, just make sure that you do that so uh, you may catch me in the studio you never know i'm always uh i'm in there a lot and uh i may just be in there working and and laying down something for a show, banging out some ideas, trying to record something, and you may call, and I may actually answer. So you never know. So those are all the different ways you can get in touch with me. Email me, sandman at parareality.com. Look me up on Facebook at Sandman Parareality, or just do a search for Parareality Radio. Follow me on Twitter at Parareal Radio, or call the studio line 615 692 one one seven zero and leave me a message now with all of that being said now it is actually time to get on with the show so let's start talking about these gmos or genetically modified organisms these gmos are a broad group of plants animals and bacteria that are engineered for a wide variety of applications ranging ranging from uh, agricultural production to scientific research. The types of potential hazards posed by GMOs vary according to the type of organism being modified and its intended application. Most of the concern surrounding GMOs relates to their potential for negative effects on the environment and on human health. Because GMOs uh, that could directly affect human health are primarily products that can enter the human food supply. This show is going to focus on genetically modified food. Now, to date, the only types of products that have been approved for human consumption in the U.S. are genetically modified plants, believe it or not. That is sad, but very, very true. As genetically modified foods that have been, or excuse me, all genetically modified foods have been approved, um, have been, they're, they're considered by the government to be uh, as safe as their traditional counterparts and are generally unregulated. However, there are several types of potential health effects that could result from the insertion of a novel gene into an organism. Health effects of primary concern to safety uh, are production of new allergens, increased toxicity, decreased nutrition, and antibiotic resistance. Now, decreased nutrition, you would think that's actually not 
what GMOs are supposed to do. Aren't they supposed to increase nutrition? Not necessarily. They're just supposed to help grow food, not necessarily increase the nutritional value. So let's take a look at each one of these potential safety concerns. Let's start off with food allergies. Food allergies affect approximately 5% of children and 2% of adults in the U.S., and it's a significant public health threat. Allergic reactions in humans occur when a normally harmless protein enters the body and stimulates an immune response. If the novel protein in a genetically modified food comes in from a source that's known to cause allergies in humans or a source that's never been consumed as human food to start off with, the concern that the protein could elicit an immune response in humans increases. Although no allergic reactions to, to genetically modified food by consumers have been confirmed as of yet, in vitro evidence suggesting that some of the genetically modified products could cause an allergic reaction has motivated biotechnology companies to discontinue their development. Very interesting, huh? As far as increased toxicity goes, most plants produce substances that are toxic to humans. It's just a a fact. Most of the plants that humans consume produce toxins at levels low enough that they don't cause any adverse health effects. There is a concern that inserting an uh, exotic gene, excuse me, into a plant could cause it to produce toxins at higher levels that could be dangerous to humans. This could happen through the process of inserting the gene into the plant. If other genes in the plant become damaged during the insertion, insertion process, it could cause the plant to alter its production of toxins. Alternatively, the new gene could interfere with a metabolic pathway causing a stressed plant to produce more toxins in response. While those effects haven't been observed in genetically modified plants, they have been observed through conventional breeding methods creating a safety concern for these genetically modified plants. For example, potatoes conventionally bred for increased disease resistance have produced higher level of glycoalkaloids. And as far as the decreased nutritional value goes, a genetically modified plant could theoretically have lower nutritional quality than its traditional counterpart by making the nutrients just unavailable or even indigestible to humans. Let's take, for example, uh, phytate. This is a compound common in seeds and grains. And what it does is it binds with minerals and makes them unavailable to humans. An inserted gene could cause a plant to produce higher levels of phytate, decreasing the mineral nutrition of that plant. And uh, another example comes from a study showing that a strain of genetically modified soybeans produce lower levels of phytoestrogen compounds. And this is believed to uh, protect against heart disease and cancer uh, than traditional soybeans. So we've got the potential for food allergies, new kinds of food allergies, increased toxicities, 
decreased nutritional value. Well, what about antibiotic resistance? Because that was one of the things that I talked about. Well, in recent years, health professionals have become alarmed by the increasing number of bacterial strains that are showing resistance to antibiotics. And I, in my day job, am a healthcare professional. I see uh, the results of this increased antibiotic resistance just about every day in, in, in what I do. And it is on the rise. And I'm not just making this up. This isn't just something I'm doing to embellish for the show. Antibiotic resistance is on the rise. Bacteria develop resistance to antibiotics by creating antibiotic-resistant genes through natural mutation. Biotechnologists use antibiotic-resistant genes as selectable markers when inserting new genes into plants. In the early stages of the process, scientists really don't know if the target plant will incorporate the new gene into its genome. By attaching the desired gene to an antibiotic-resistant gene, the new genetically modified plant can be tested by growing it in a solution containing the corresponding antibiotic. And if the plant survives, scientists know that it's taken up the antibiotic-resistance gene along with the desired gene. Now, there is a concern that bacteria living in the guts of humans and animals could pick up an antibiotic-resistant gene from a genetically modified plant before the DNA becomes completely digested. Now, it's not clear what sort of risk the possibility of conferring antibiotic resistance to bacteria presents right now. No one's ever observed bacteria incorporating new DNA from the digestive system under any kind of controlled laboratory conditions as of yet. The two types of antibiotic resistance genes used by biotechnologists are ones that already exist in bacteria just in nature, so the process wouldn't necessarily introduce any new antibiotic resistance to bacteria. Nevertheless, it's a concern, and the FDA is encouraging biotechnologists to phase out the practice of using antibiotic-resistant genes. Isn't that amazing that they're using antibiotic-resistant genes to help grow our food? And it's also quite scary, as a matter of fact. Probably the most recognized user of genetically modified organisms, or GMO seeds, is Monsanto, a leading producer of genetically engineered seed and Roundup, the weed killer. This is a, a, a glyphosate-based herbicide. Monsanto's roles in agricultural changes, biotechnology products, and lobbying of government agencies and and roots as a chemical company have surrounded the company in controversies. I'm sure you've all heard of Monsanto. Monsanto was one of the first companies to apply the biotechnology industry business model to agriculture. It uses uh, uh, techniques developed by biotech drug companies. And in, in this business model that they've got, companies recoup research and development expenses by exploiting biological patents. Its seeds patenting model was criticized as something called biopiracy and a threat to to, uh, biodiversity. In September of 2016, which was just a few short months ago, 
Monsanto agreed to accept Bayer's offer to purchase the company for $66 billion pending regulatory approval. That's $128 a share. There are a number of scientific studies that have been done for Monsanto by universities here in the U.S., Canada, and other areas, but most of these studies are concerned with the field of uh, with with field performance of the engineered crops, and of course they find GMOs safe for the environment and therefore safe to eat. Of course they're going to find that because they're doing studies for Monsanto, right? Well. Individuals, all of us, need to be encouraged to make their decisions on food safety based on scientific evidence and personal choice, not on emotion or the personal opinions of others. We should all take these studies seriously and demand that the government agencies replicate them rather than just simply rely on these studies that are paid for by the biotech companies. Let's take, for example, the uh, BT corn and soya plants that are now everywhere in our environment and are registered as insecticides. But are these insecticidal plants regulated and have their proteins been tested for safety? Not by the federal departments in charge of food safety, not in Canada and not here in the United States. There are no long-term feeding studies performed here in the U.S. or in Canada to demonstrate the claims that engineered coin and soya are safe. We all have heard, oh, your food is safe to eat. Well, all we have are scientific studies out of Europe and Russia showing that rats-fed engineered food die prematurely, though. That's the study that we have. But yet, nothing here in the U.S., nothing in Canada, they just say, oh yeah, it's safe to eat. Russia does studies. Europe does studies. They feed rats some engineered food, and the rats die an early death. That's scary as hell. These studies show that proteins produced by engineered plants are different than what they should be. Inserting a gene and a genome using this technology can and does result in damaged proteins. The scientific literature is full of studies showing that engineered coin and corn and soya contain toxic or allergenic proteins. Genetic engineering right now is about 40 years old. It's based on the somewhat naive understanding of the genome based on the the one gene, one protein hypothesis of 70 years ago that each gene codes for a single protein. The Human Genome Project, completed in 2002, showed that this hypothesis was wrong. The whole paradigm of the genetic engineering technology is based on a misunderstanding. Every scientist now learns that any gene can give more than one protein and that inserting a gene anywhere in a plant eventually creates rogue proteins. Some of these proteins are obviously allergenic or toxic. So let's talk a little bit about some GMO myths 
and some GMO truths. I've already told you a little bit about GMO truths, about how basically they produce some rogue proteins and how these proteins can become toxic to us, how they can cause new allergies. I've talked a little bit about the lack of study and research here in the U.S. and Canada and what studies in other countries have shown, which is you feed rats some genetically modified food and they die. But let's really delve in to GMO myths and truths a little bit more uh, in depth here. An evidence-based examination of the claims made for the safety and uh, efficacy of uh, genetically modified crops, uh, a, a report of 120 pages, which can be downloaded for free from the Earth Open Source. It's called GMO Myths and Truths. It disputes the claims of the biotech industry that G genetically modified crops yield better and more nutritious food that they save on the use of pesticides even, and that they have no environmental impact whatsoever and are perfectly safe to eat. Genetic pollution is so prevalent in North and South America where genetically modified crops are grown that the fields of conventional and, or and organic growers are regularly contaminated with engineered pollen and they're losing their certification. Uh, the canola and flax report market from uh, Canada to Europe, um, a few uh, hundreds of millions of dollars were, were, were recently lost because of genetic pollution. And did I mention super weeds? When when Roundup US uh, when, when when Roundup here uh, uh, is used on crops, they they pass their genes on to Roundup resistant weeds. And apparently over half, that's 50%, over 50% of the fields here in the U.S. are now infested and the growers have to go back to use other toxic herbicides like uh, 2,4-D, which is really super toxic. And it's super dangerous to use, too. Uh, many areas of Ontario and Alberta are also infested. Uh, these transgenes, as they're called, also uh, are transferred to soil bacteria. There's a Chinese study published last year that shows uh, an ampicillin-resistance transgene was transferred from local engineered crops to soil bacteria. Uh, that eventually found its way into the rivers. The transgenes are also transferred to humans. Volunteers who ate engineered soybeans had undigested DNA in their intestine and their bacterial flora. They were expressing the soybean transgenes in the form of antibiotic resistance. This is genetic pollution to the extreme, particularly when antibiotic resistance is fast becoming this serious, not just national here in the States, but a serious global health risk. I can only assume that the American Medical Association will soon recognize its poorly informed judgment about GMOs. Uh, but who knows? You know, it, Monsanto is such a uh, large corporation. It is the beast. You know, who, who knows how deep its pockets go? Um, you know, the AMA is capable of being paid off, unfortunately, just like in uh, 
It's like our freaking lawmakers in our government. Sad but true. In 2009, the American Academy of Environmental Medicine called for a moratorium of genetically modified foods, safety, testing, and labeling. Their review of the available literature at the time noted that animals show serious health risks associated with genetic modified food consumption, including things like infertility, uh, immune dysregulation, accelerated aging, which leads to premature dying, uh, dysregulation of genes associated with cholesterol synthesis, insulin regulation, cell signaling, and protein formation. And it's they saw changes in the liver kidney and spleen and gastrointestinal system of these animals. So what does Monsanto have to say about this? Well, here is uh, a quote from uh, an open letter that they wrote. And I quote here, There is no need to test the safety of GM foods. Really? There's no need to test the safety of GM foods when we see that animals who are eating these things have increased aging, they die prematurely, their immune system's jacked up, they're infertile, their kidney, liver, spleen, and gastrointestinal systems don't function, there's no need to test. So long as the engineered protein is safe, foods from genetically modified crops are substantially equivalent, and they cannot pose any health risk is what Monsanto says. The U.S., the U.S. FDA, Food and Drug Administration, waived all levels of safety testing in 1996 before approving the commercialization of these crops. Nothing more than voluntary research is necessary, and the FDA doesn't even want to see the results. And there's certainly no need to publish any of it, right? If you remember, uh, back in 1996, the year that the first crops were commercialized, the research scientists of the U.S. FDA all predicted that transgenic crops would have unpredictable, hard-to-detect side effects, allergens, toxins, nutritional effects, and produce new diseases. That was published in 2004. They had to wait 10 years almost, what, 8 years before they published that? But yet it was public knowledge, or it was publicly available info back in 1996. They just didn't make it readily available until 2004. That's crazy. Now, I know that Canada doesn't perform long-term feeding studies like they do in Europe. Uh, the only study that I'm aware of from Canada is from the uh, Sherbrooke Hospital in 2011 when doctors found that 93% of pregnant women and 82% of the fetuses tested had the protein pesticide in their blood. This is a protein recognized in its many forms as mildly to severely allergenic. There's no information on the role played by rogue proteins created by the process of inserting transgenes in the middle of a genome. But there is a lot of long-term feeding studies reporting serious health problems in mice and rats. 
poor mice and rats, they always get the the bum rap, don't they? They're always the ones that are tested on, it seems like. Gosh, poor mice and rats. <laughs> anyway, I digress. <laughs> the results of the first long-term feeding studies of lab rats reported, um, I think it was in 2015, in food and chemical toxicology, showed that they developed breast cancer in midlife and showed kidney and liver damage. The current statistic I read is that uh, North Americans are eating 193 pounds of genetically modified food on average annually. And that includes uh, the children, I assume. Not that I would use that as a scare tactic, but obviously... um, I, I you know have to think about that here because I think there's cause for alarm and I feel that it's my duty to educate the public about this. Uh, one argument heard repeatedly from the supporters of GMOs is that nobody has been sick or died after a meal or I don't know a trillion meals since 1996 that that contain genetically modified food. Well. Nobody gets ill from smoking a pack of cigarettes either, but it sure does add up, doesn't it? It produces things like cancer and COPD and emphysema and chronic bronchitis. And we didn't know that in the 1950s before we started our wave of epidemics of cancer. It, Except this time, it's not about some cigarettes. It's the whole food system That's concerning us here. The corporate interest must be subordinated to the public interest, and the policy of substantial equivalence must be scrapped, as it's clearly untrue here. So let's talk about the top ten reasons why you and I and everybody else in the whole entire world need to avoid genetically modified Mm -hmm. organisms, or GMOs. So, number one, obviously, GMOs are unhealthy. The American Academy of Environmental Medicine, the AAEM, urges doctors to prescribe non-GMO diets for all of their patients. They cite animal studies showing organ damage, gastrointestinal and immune system disorders, accelerated aging, and infertility, like what I just talked about a little minute, a little while ago. Human studies show how GMOs uh, can leave material behind inside us, possibly causing long-term problems. Genes inserted into genetically modified soy, for example, can transfer into the DNA of bacteria living inside us, and the toxic insecticide produced by genetically modified corn was found in the blood of pregnant women and their unborn fetuses. Oh, there's my creepy clock that always goes off in the background every show. Um, Numerous health problems increased after GMOs were introduced in 1996. The percentage of Americans with three or more chronic illnesses jumped from 7% to 13% in just nine years. Food allergies have skyrocketed and disorders like autism, reproductive disorders, digestive problems, and others are on the rise as well. Although there's 
still not sufficient research to confirm that GMOs are contributing factors, doctors groups such as the AAEM tell us not to wait before we start protecting ourselves, and especially our children who are the ones who are most at risk. The American Public Health Association and the American Nurses Association are among the many medical groups that condemn the use of genetically modified bovine growth hormone because the milk from treated cows has more of the hormone IGF-1, which is insulin-like growth factor 1, which is linked to cancer. Yep, that's right. It's linked to cancer. Reason number two, GMOs contaminate things forever. GMOs cross-pollinate and their seeds can travel. It's impossible to fully clean up our contaminated gene pool. Self-propagating GMO pollution will outlast the effects of global warming and nuclear waste. The potential impact here is huge, people. It threatens the health of future generations. GMO contamination has also caused economic losses for organic and non-GMO farmers who often struggle to keep their crops pure. Reason number three, GMOs increase herbicide use. Most genetically modified crops are engineered to be herbicide tolerant, the deadly weed killer. Monsanto, for example, sells Roundup-ready crops designed to survive applications of their Roundup herbicide. Between 1996 and 2008, U.S. farmers sprayed an extra 3 183 million pounds of herbicide on genetically modified crops. Overuse of Roundup, which is made by Monsanto, results in superweeds that are resistant to herbicides, i.e. Roundup. This is causing farmers to use even more toxic herbicides every year. Not only does this create environmental harm, but genetically modified foods contain higher residues of toxic herbicides. For example, Roundup is linked with sterility. It's linked with hormone disruption, birth defects, and, you guessed it, cancer. Number four, genetic engineering creates dangerous side effects. By mixing genes from totally unrelated species, genetic engineering unleashes a host of unpredictable side effects. Moreover, irrespective of the type of genes that are inserted, the very process of creating a genetically modified plant can result in massive collateral damage that produces new toxins, allergens, carcinogens, and nutritional deficiencies. Number five, as I've already talked about, government oversight is dangerously lax. Most of the health and environmental risks of GMOs are ignored by our government and other governments' superficial regulations and safety assessments. The reason for this tragedy is, well, it's it's largely political. 
The U.S. Food and Drug Administration, for example, doesn't require a single safety study. It doesn't mandate labeling of GMOs, and it allows companies to put their genetically modified foods onto the market without even notifying the agency. Their jurisdiction was the claim that they had no information showing that genetically modified foods were substantially different. But, as you can probably guess, this was a lie. Secret agency memos made public by a lawsuit show that the overwhelming consensus, even among the FDA's own scientists, was that GMOs can create unpredictable, hard-to-detect side effects. They urged long-term safety studies, but the White House had instructed the FDA to promote biotechnology, and the agency official in charge of policy was a man named Michael Taylor, who just so happened to be Monsanto's former attorney. And later, the vice president of the company. He's now the U.S. food and safety czar. Can you imagine that? That is such a huge conflict of interest right there. But yet, this guy is in charge of the U.S. food safety. And he is a former vice president of Monsanto, the largest producer of GMOs in the world. Number six, biotechnology industry uses tobacco science to claim their product safety. Biotech companies like Monsanto told us that Agent Orange, PCBs, and DDT were safe. They're now using the same type of superficial rigged research to try and convince us that GMOs are safe. Independent scientists, thank God for these guys, have caught these spin masters red-handed demonstrating without a doubt how industry-funded research is designed to avoid finding problems and how adverse findings are distorted or denied or just deleted from the reports. Reason number seven to avoid GMOs is that independent research and reporting is attacked and suppressed. Scientists who discovered the aforementioned problems with GMOs have been attacked, gagged, fired, threatened, and denied funding. The journal Nature acknowledged that, and I quote, a large block of scientists denigrate research by other legitimate scientists in a knee-jerk, partisan, emotional way that is not helpful in advancing knowledge. Now, attempts by media to expose these problems are often centered, censored as well. Reason number eight, GMOs harm the environment. Genetically modified crops and their associated herbicides can harm birds, insects, amphibians, marine ecosystems, and soil organisms. They reduce biodiversity, they pollute water resources, and they're unsustainable. For example, genetically modified crops are eliminating habitat for monarch butterflies, whose populations are down 50% here in the United States. Roundup herbicide has been shown to cause birth defects in amphibians, embryonic deaths, and endocrine disruptions, and organ damage in animals, even at even in, in, in very low doses. Genetically modified canola 
has been found growing wild in North Dakota and California, threatening to pass on its herbicide tolerance genes to the weeds. Scary stuff, man. Number nine, GMOs don't increase yields and work against feeding a hungry world. Whereas sustainable non-GMO agricultural methods used in developing countries have conclusively resulted in yield increases of 79% and higher, GMOs do not, on average, increase yields at all. This was evident in the Union of Concerned Scientists 2009 report called Failure to Yield. It's the definitive study to date on genetically modified crops and their yield. The International Assessment of Agricultural Knowledge, Science, and Technology for Development, or the IAASTD, I don't know that I would want to have <laughs> that in my company name. Uh, anyway, <laughs> this company does a, an annual report, and it was uh, authored by more than 400 scientists and backed by 58 governments. And it stated that genetically modified crop yields were quote-unquote highly variable, and in some cases the yields even declined. The report noted, and another quote here, that assessment of the technology lags behind its development information is anecdotal and contradictory, and uncertainty about possible benefits and damage is unavoidable. This committee determined that the current GMOs have nothing to offer the goals of reducing hunger and poverty, improving nutrition, health and rural livelihoods, and facilitating social and environmental sustainability. On the contrary, GMOs divert money and resources that would otherwise be spent on more safe, reliable, and appropriate technologies. And finally, my number 10 reason to avoid GMOs. By avoiding GMOs, you contribute to the coming tipping point of consumer rejection, forcing them out of our food supply. Because GMOs give no consumer benefits, even just a small percentage of us start rejecting brands that contain GMOs, these ingredients, these genetically modified ingredients, will become a marketing liability. Food companies will just kick them out. In Europe, for example, the tipping point was achieved way back in 1999, just after a high-profile GMO safety scandal hit the papers and alerted citizens to the potential dangers. In the U.S., a consumer rebellion against genetically modified bovine growth hormone has also reached a tipping point, kicked the cow drug out of dairy products by Walmart, Starbucks, Dannon, YoPlay, and most of America's dairies. So we can get genetically modified foods to be considered a liability just if enough of us protested enough and just stopped buying Foods that contain it. Now, of course, it's going to be more expensive. You all know that it's more the the healthier you eat, the more expensive it is. And of course, this will probably result in uh, profit increases for uh, places like Whole Foods. But really, I don't care. I feel and I think that 
most of the people listening to this podcast will probably feel the same way that I'm willing to pay a little bit extra for my food if I know it's going to be safe. And I think that most of you would feel the same way. So are GMOs safe? Well, as you just heard me say, there's plenty of evidence out there to say, no, they're not. But there's also plenty of evidence that says, yes, they are. In uh, May of last year, the prestigious National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine issued what's probably the most far-reaching report ever produced by the scientific community on genetically engineered food and crops. The conclusion was uh, unambiguous. Um, Having examined hundreds of scientific papers written on the subject, uh, sat through hours of live testimony from activists and considered hundreds of comments from the general public, the scientists wrote that they, quote, found no substantiated evidence that foods from GE, genetically engineered crops, were less safe than foods from non-GE crops. The National Academies process was both impressively inclusive and explicitly consensual. As noted in the preface to their report, the scientists took all of the comments, however ludicrous, as constructive challenges and considered them carefully. Thus, the expert committee patiently gave anti-GMO activist Jeffrey Smith a generous 20-minute slot so he could make his customary uh, assertion that genetically engineered foods cause just about every imaginable modern ailment. Greenpeace also offered invited testimony. So did um, the uh, a French professor who suffered the ultimate scientific uh, indignity of having his paper uh, claiming rats-fed GMOs suffered tumors retracted in 2013. Um, so each of their claims was examined one by one in turn. So do GE foods cause cancer? No. Patterns of changing cancer incidents over time are genetically similar between the U.S. here in the U.S. where GMO foods are uh, ubiquitous and the United Kingdom where they are virtually unknown. How about kidney disease? U.S. rates have barely budged over a quarter century. Obesity, diabetes, there's no published evidence to support the hypothesis of a link between them and genetically engineered foods, says some research studies. Um, um, No major difference between the U.S. and the U.K., again, is what they're, you know, allergies. The committee didn't find a relationship between consumption of genetically engineered foods and the increase in the prevalence of food allergies. Autism, again, evidence comparing the U.S. and the U.K. does not support the hypothesis of a link, so this study says. But in a rational world, everyone previously fearful about the health effects of GMOs would read the report, breathe a huge sigh of relief, and start looking for more evidence-based explanations for worrying trends in health issues like diabetes, autism, and food allergies. But psychological associations developed uh, over many years are difficult to break. 
For example, a Pew Center poll in 2015 found that only 37% of the public thought genetically engineered foods were safe as compared to 88% of scientists, a greater gap than on any other issue of scientific controversy, including climate change, evolution, and childhood vaccinations. These entrenched attitudes are not about to disappear, especially since they're continually reinforced by a vocal and well-funded anti-GMO lobby, i.e. Monsanto. There's also political path dependence. Vermont's GMO labeling law scheduled to uh, throw U.S. food manufacturers and retailers into chaos when it comes into play um, actually, I think it's uh, this July, or maybe it's maybe it was last July. Maybe it's already coming to play. Uh, this thing is predicted to uh, is predicated on the explicit assumption that genetically engineered foods may be unsafe. Here's what they say, and I quote: "There is a lack of consensus regarding the validity of the research and the science surrounding the safety of en- genetically engineered foods." Vermont's act states in its preamble, that's what it says. Now, there are such foods that potentially pose the risk to health and safety. But will Vermont's legislator reconsider its act now that it stands so clearly on the wrong side of a rock-solid scientific consensus? Of course not. It won't. Not when politics is concerned. The National Academies report, it should make particularly uncomfortable reading for the environmental movement, many of whose uh, leading member groups now exhibit all the hallmarks of full-scale science denialism on the issue. A spokeswoman from the Friends of the Earth dismissed the report as deceptive before she had even read it. The group's website claims that numerous studies show genetically engineered foods can pose serious risk to human health. Another environmentalist group, Food and Water Watch, issued a pre-publication rebuttal that conspiratorially accused the National Academies of having undisclosed links with Monsanto before reasserting its view that there is no consensus and that there were and there remains a very vigorous debate among scientists about the safety and merits of this technology. But despite these denials, the truth is that there is more of a debate on safety of genetically engineered crops than on the reality of climate change, the scientific consistence on which all these same green groups aggressively defend. And the irony goes deeper. Many of the strategies now being employed to demonize GMOs come straight out of the climate denialist playbook. There's the same promotion of false, no-consensus statements by groups of self-appointed experts. Why, more than 300 scientists and legal experts signed a no-consensus on GMO safety statement last year. Greenpeace reminds us about this. That, that sounds like a lot until you compare it with the 30,000 American scientists who have supposedly signed a petition claiming that there is no convincing scientific evidence linking CO2 with climate change, which Greenpeace conveniently ignores. There's also a worrying trend towards the harassment of bona fide scientists, just like senior Republicans that have shamefully targeted climate experts 
with politically motivated subpoenas. So an anti-GMO group called U.S. Right to Know has slapped dozens of geneticists and molecular biologists working at public universities with repeated Freedom of Information Act requests demanding access to thousands of their private emails. In some cases, scientists have, as a result of subsequent campaigns, received death threats in their laboratories and home addresses circulating on social media. That's kind of scary. There's still plenty of room for genuine dissent. The National Academy's report is zealous in pointing out some of the experienced difficulties and drawbacks of GMOs. The overuse of genetically engineered crops has indeed led to the evolution of resistance, both in weeds and insects. It, and also, industry domination of the technology might restrict access of small farmers in poor countries to improved seeds. And mandatory GMO labeling might well be a good way to raise the public trust in a more transparent food system. So, I presented to you some interesting information along with 10 reasons to avoid GMOs. And I've talked all about why GMOs are bad. And I've also talked about, I've wound up the last uh, 15 minutes or so here talking to you about why some of the reports on GMOs uh, should be taken with a grain of salt when it comes to denying their benefits. I've taken a look at both sides of the coin and I wanted to present this in more of an unbiased way instead excuse me, instead of just coming out and saying, oh, genetically modified foods are bad for us and we should avoid them, I wanted to take the last part of the show and and discuss how some people, some groups, some experts, some scientists are just basically denying reading any reports. They're making blanket statements with, about how bad GMOs are without even reading anything, without knowing their facts. And that is obviously a problem. But I want to wind my thoughts on GMOs down with this. I think that GMOs are bad. And as an additional motivation to avoid GMOs, why don't you just take a lesson from the animals? Okay. Eyewitness reports from around the world describe several situations where animals, when given a choice, avoid genetically modified food. And it's not just one set of, of animals. These include cows, pigs, geese, elk, deer, raccoons. Yes, the aforementioned mice and rats, squirrels, chicken, and even buffalo were studied in this. I'm pretty sure the animals can't read the labels on GM foods or even know what's in them. But they can sure tell there's something wrong with them just by smelling of them, right? That alone is enough to make me worry about what I'm putting into my body. And you should be worried too. And that, my friends, is tonight's episode of Perialty Radio on genetically modified organisms or GMOs for short. I'm going to uh, take a little break 
and I will be back here in just a few minutes and uh, going to uh, tell you about some things I've got uh, coming up in store for uh, season 11 here on Parareality Radio, as well as, um, man, I've got uh, got a new thing that I'm going to try this year, and uh, hopefully you guys are going to like it. I'm not going to give away too much right now. I'm just going to take a little break and let you listen to some music, and I'll be back in just a few short minutes.
You are listening to the award-winning Parareality Radio, providing you the best in paranormal radio since 2004. Join me, Sandman, and my roster of special guests, experts, and experiencers of the paranormal as we explore the realms of the known and the unknown. New episodes can be heard the first Friday of every month at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Listen online at parareality.com. Turn on, tune in, and find out. My name is Carl Kolshak, former reporter for INS, Chicago's very own independent news service. In all my years of investigative journalism, I've seen some pretty strange things. Today, you'd simply look at them as amusing fodder for the national tabloids. But hear me out when I tell you that they're real. The vampires, androids, ghosts, swamp creatures, monkey men, and even Jack the Ripper. Yes, every last one. Rather than jeopardize my former editor's sanity with such sensational tales, I simply left out the details for public consumption. Oh, I kept the real transcripts, conveniently tucked away from the curious eye in a file under the innocuous name All Saints Archive. But now, happily retired, I believe I can finally release the full accounts as I actually experience them. Prepare yourself now for one of many cases from the All Saints Archive, or as I call them, the Night Stalker Incidents. And that was uh, Pretty Reckless with Messed Up World. And I thought that was uh, quite an appropriate song to <clears throat> include on the the soundtrack of tonight's show. And, I, I, you know, I always try to have something that kind of relates to the subject matter. It's always interesting, tough thing to do. And uh, I ran across that track and I was like, ah, man, it's perfect. Effed up world, messed up world. Because uh, that's what things are coming to, especially when it comes to uh, these genetically modified organisms in our food. And we as consumers uh, really have no say-so in it. 
So the only thing that we can do is is protest it. And we can stop buying foods that contain uh, genetically modified organisms in them. I, I think that's uh, what I'm going to try to do, at least for the most part, because um, I've got some health problems. I've got kidney problems. I've had some kidney stones. Uh, is it related to GMOs? I have no earthly idea. Um, but I've got some high cholesterol as well. That has nothing to do with the GMOs. That's just genetics from my mom. Thanks a lot, mom. But, you know, I've got some health problems. And if I can um, eat healthier, you know, I need to. And if that includes not consuming foods that have GMOs in it, then I'm going to try to do it. And I encourage you to do the same. So that last little commercial that you heard was uh, something new that I'm going to be trying out here on Pure Reality Radio. That was a commercial for um, Kolshak, the Night Stalker. That was, um, uh, gosh, back in the 70s, it was such a short-lived i think it only had one season uh it might have had two i don't know but it was it was a very unusual uh television show uh especially the, the content was it was supernatural and it was especially um kind of uh um unusual for the 70s and it had uh, Darren McGavin in it who played the lead role of reporter Carl Kolshak and it was based in the Chicago Uh, Illinois area and he was a reporter for the INS the independent news service and he somehow always got uh, wind of these supernatural type stories that in dealt with uh, modern day Jack the Ripper um, vampires werewolves um, witches uh, people who uh, had human sacrifices so they would stay eternally young and, and all kinds of uh, uh, weird stuff. And I remember watching that show as a kid and uh, I liked it. And uh, now as an adult, I own uh, the DVD set for Kolshak the Night Stalker. And uh, anyway, I was trying to think of ways the that I could, you know, enhance the show. I've been doing the show 10 years and you know me, I'm always looking for ways to improve the show, make it better, make it stand out, make it unique. And, uh, I was looking for ways to kind of, uh, add something different to the show. And I thought, man, I need to start playing some, uh, old timey radio, uh, shows they used to have all back before television and radio was the entertainment they used to have all of these radio programs that dealt with uh, horror and mysteries and the supernatural and and sci-fi and all that sorts of stuff so i'm like man i think i'm going to start playing stuff like that and doing some research to make sure that these were stuff that were in the public domain i ran across uh some people who had turned Koshak the Night Stalker TV show into a radio show that um, actually was was pretty good. Uh, each show, I think, is about uh, an hour long, maybe 45 minutes, something like that. Uh, and unfortunately, they only produced a very, very limited 
number of episodes. I believe the number is four <laughs> that they produced. But uh, I'm going to start for 2017. Um, I'm going to start doing a monthly uh, old-timey radio broadcast here for Parareality Radio. Um, and it's going to start this month. So, you know, whenever I originally um, did the show, whenever I started 10 years ago, I did uh, a bi-weekly show. It was the first and third Friday of every month. And uh, I did that for years. I even had two shows at one point in time. So I was doing, uh, every Friday I was doing a show. Boy, that was that was rough. A two-hour show every Friday. And I had one on my own show and one where I, I went to, a, I was on a terrestrial radio station here in the Nashville area called WRFN. I loved doing that gig, but it got to be too much. And unfortunately, on the WRFN shows, I didn't own the rights to my own show, which kind of pissed me off. So when everything became too much and I had to give up a show, uh, I was faced with a choice of giving up Live 365, which I owned all the rights to and had full creative control and and owned all the content of it. Or I could give up the terrestrial radio show, WRFN, which was my show, my content, but I didn't own the rights to. Well, that was a no-brainer. I had to give up the WRFN show. So I went back to doing a bi-weekly show. And when I, quote-unquote, retired in 2009 and, and then came back in, in the middle of 2012, um, I've only been doing uh, a one-show-a-month schedule. And I still really, really want to get back to doing uh, every other week, uh, twice a month, if you will. And I want to get back to doing live shows. It's just not in the cards for me at this point in my life. But one day it will be because I have no intention of giving this up anytime soon because I love doing it so much. So... I wanted to somehow get back into everyone's mind that I'm going to be on the air twice a month now, every first and third Friday of the month. So even though I can't right now physically do two shows a month myself, I can take one of those Fridays and I can play an old-timey radio show for you guys and have it part of Parareality Radio, be part of the Parareality Radio family. So what I'm going to do as an experiment for at least this year, and then we'll see what kind of reception I get out of it, is I'm going to start um, playing an old-timey radio show. And uh, I've got a... a a schedule started. I've got it kind of mapped out for uh, most of the year so far. So as of now, the schedule is going to be the first Fridays of the month at 8 o'clock Central Time. You're going to hear this version of the podcast, Parareality Radio, the Parareality Radio Show. And then on the third Friday of every month, at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time, you're going to hear an old-timey radio show. And we're going to start out with Kolshak the Night Stalker, 
It is going to be coming this month here in March. So it will be the third Friday of the month, which is... I have to look at my calendar here. The 17th of March. So on the 17th of March at 8 o'clock p.m. Central U.S. time, I'm going to debut the old-timey radio show portion of Perreality Radio, and it's going to be kicked off with Kolshak the Night Stalker. So I'm really pleased to be able to bring this to you, and uh, I'm really looking for feedback from you guys on this. I'm going to put up a little uh, form on the website about uh, the old-timey radio shows I'm going to be uh, playing for you guys, um, please go to Parareality not, not, dot com. She's lost my train of thought there. Please go to Parareality dot com and uh, check frequently and leave me feedback. Fill out the form. I want to know if this is something you guys like. If you're interested in. If you want to hear more mm-hmm. of it. Uh, if you think it sucks and think I shouldn't do it ever again, let me know that too. Uh, I try to let the fans of the show, those who listen to it on a regular basis, uh, be part of what dictates the show. You help me create content for the show. So if there's something you don't like, you let me know. If there's something you want more of, you let me know. And I know there's probably going to be you know, one or two assholes out there who are going to say, you know, just they're just going to put on there, your show sucks, you should kill yourself, blah, 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 whatever. You know, I, I, I can do without that. If you want to, if you want to, you know, send me stuff like that, that's fine. Just know that it's not going to do you any good. I'm going to ignore it, and I'm not going to mention your crap on the air, nor am I going to waste my time by responding to it, and I'm not going to stroke your ego. So I want legitimate responses from this do you like the idea of the old-timey radio shows if so what more what you know what kind of content would you like what shows would you like to hear more of or do you think it's a horrible idea and you want to see it go away um i'm also thinking about putting up a poll on on my twitter feed and on facebook so i'm gonna poll it up and all that sorts of good stuff and you guys just let me know. Listen to a few shows. At least listen to the run of Colshack uh, the Night Stalker, and let me know what you think about that. And and uh, then we'll we'll take it from there. And as far as uh, what's in store for the rest of the actual Pair Reality Radio Show, well, um, next month is April, and you know traditionally for the last several years in tra- in in observance of of april fool's day this kind of started out as kind of like an april fool's day oh i'm gonna have a uh skeptics night on on april i don't i don't know why i thought april fools was you know oh the best time to do this but traditionally for the last several years april has been skeptics night on on the april show and that is no different i am going to have back in studio my special guest mr john harrison for skeptics night in April on the uh, first Friday of the month there in April. However, before he comes on the show, um, the last 
well, not the last Friday. We'll just say the 24th. It's the next to last Friday of the month. I'm also going to do a, a makeup show that I'll have that'll last probably about as long as this one, about an hour to an hour and a half. And, um, try to catch up on on some things that uh, I've been wanting to talk about, but I uh, haven't been able to. But as far as this year goes, I've got some really interesting things lined up for you to talk about. Hopefully, I'm going to have some really cool guests that are going to uh, be on the show, more than just Mr. John Harrison. Although he is a very popular guest, he and I get along uh, fantastically well. i got to say that ever since he came on, uh, was it, uh, I guess it was, uh, three or four years ago now. Um, uh, he and I have actually, um, become friends. We've, we've hung out together, um, outside of doing the show. And, uh, actually, um, in 2015, he, I talked him into accompanying me to, uh, Memphis in celebration of world UFO day, uh, which was a total bust of that whole world UFO day thing, uh, uh, celebration convention thing that I went to was horrible. And I vowed that I was never going to go to another one of those Memphis shows again. And they didn't do one for 2016. That's how bad it sucked. I didn't even, there was nothing going on. So anyway, um, yeah, so I've become friends with him and we've hung out for a little bit. And and I think that uh, helps create a little bit of, uh, uh, um, good some a lot of good listening for you guys out there cuz we uh we have some pretty good banter um i've even had some requests that uh, he should probably be a regular co-host of the show and i have talked to him about it but i don't know that he's he's really interested he's got a lot of his own stuff going on but he is uh as uh, he has a standing invitation to come whenever he wants and uh, he knows that every april i'm going to be inviting him back to do the annual Skeptics Night, and this April is no exception, and he is going to be here live in the Perialty Radio studio. So I've got that going on. I've got uh, a couple of makeup shows that I'm going to be doing. Uh, like I said, uh, the uh, what is it, the 24th of this month, I'm going to uh, come out with another one-hour episode of Perialty Radio, just a little mini-episode thing here, kind of like this one, to just try to do some makeup shows for you guys and add some more content to uh to the show because i know you guys have been missing it i've gotten a few emails i said when you're going to start what the hell happened to you when you're going to start getting some new shows lined up so that's it i've got some new shows lined up for you guys so just uh as i always say turn on tune in and find out i got hopefully some what are going to turn out to be some good guests in store for you here this summer and uh i've got uh got a lot of good interesting shows lined up i'm not going to like lay out and bore you with all the details of what I got lined up. Uh, but, um, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm going to have, excuse me, that I'm going to have more than one in studio guest here for you this summer. Uh, and I've got some people that are lined up. I know for some telephone interviews and hopefully a couple of, uh, in studio guests for you as well. But anyway, I digress, you know, it's, uh, coming to the end of the show and, I hope that you uh I hope that you enjoyed tonight's show about genetically modified organisms. I learned a lot as I was doing research for this show and like I said I don't think I produced any like earth-shattering evidence or anything that was new, but I hope that some of you who really didn't know about them uh listen to this podcast and at least have your interest piqued enough that you are going to uh do your own investigation 
of GMOs. Let me know if you come up with some new information. Hell, let me know what you thought about tonight's show. Just send me an email, sandman at parareality.com. That's sandman at parareality.com. Or just uh, go visit my website, www.parareality.com. Check it out. There's all kind of stuff on there um, for you guys to uh, read about. I'm working on, you guys know that uh, I'm a, a chemtrail researcher, and I have a little portion of my website that's devoted to chemtrails. So uh, I want you guys to check out that section on, on the chemtrails. And I'm going to be adding a whole big chemtrail website, uh, kind of like a companion website to um, parareality.com. And um, I am really have been doing a lot of uh, chemtrail study and research, and I'm going to be talking about chemtrails some before the end of the year, and uh, hopefully I'm going to have my new chemtrail website up and running, and I'll have that linked into Parareality as well, so that's where you can find it from. So uh, just keep checking at parareality.com. You can find out all kinds of information about the show there. Like I said, you can listen to current and past episodes there if you click on the extras tab, and you can join the official Parareality Radio Forum. It's it's free. You can shop in the Parareality Radio Store, and you can even watch some show videos and other stuff, and all that's on the Extras tab. Uh, please uh, buy some stuff out of the Parareality Radio Store if you if you can. Uh, I do not make any money off of this show, and every bit of uh, uh, every red penny that I earn out of uh, the Parareality Radio Store goes back into helping me produce this show. I do not pocket anything. So uh, if you want to help keep Parareality Radio on the air, uh, buy some swag. Uh, also, don't forget to look me up on Facebook. That's Sandman Parareality. Or just uh, type in a search for Parareality Radio. You can also hear the show on Facebook as well. And you can also find out more about what's going on in the world of Parareality. And also, don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter. That's at Parareal Radio. That's all one word, P-A-R-A-R-E-A-L, radio, at Parareal Radio on Twitter. I'll be tweeting out announcements like special guests and show topics, upcoming shows and stuff like that. So be sure to follow me on Twitter at Parareal Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said before, the next show is going to be available on Friday March the 24th. Ow, I just hit my hand. Yeah, it's going to be available on Friday, March the 24th, 2017, as season 11 continues. So make sure you turn on, tune in, and find out. And uh, look for the debut of the of Koshak the Night Stalker on the previous Friday of the before the 24th on the 17th at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. So I got a couple of things coming on this week, this month, excuse me, on Friday, the 17th of March, 8 o'clock Central Standard Time. You will hear the debut of the old-time radio shows, kicking it off with Kolshak the Night Stalker. Follow the next Friday, the 24th, at 8 o'clock Central Time, another episode of Pair Reality Radio starring yours truly. Everybody, I hope that this radio program opens up your mind to new ways of thinking, expands your consciousness, 
and produces a change in the way you see the world. If you wish to change, you must lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. I hope that you have a wonderful evening, and I will see you again on Friday, March 24th.